welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 13th of April 2014, entitled, For the Joy That Was Set Before Him. And the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Holy Word, taken from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, thank you again this evening for this time that you have given us to be able to come together and to look into your word once again. Lord, we realize that as long as life and breath may give us, Lord, that we can never find the depths of all that you've given us in this that we call our Bible, the Word of God. But Father, as we gather here this evening and take a a look at this short passage, we pray that Lord, you might speak to our hearts. Give us that which we need this evening that would strengthen, encourage, challenge, that would just help us all in some way to leave here more enriched and more like our Savior than when we came. We give you all the praise, the honor, the glory for it. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. Well, I guess that traditionally... Many churches today would have been celebrated as Palm Sunday. As our Lord entered into Jerusalem that that last time, and amazing how that in such a short time, from being held and the palms being laid before him as he rode into the city, that they were ready to nail him to that cross and take his life. To an unsaved world, it can seem kind of a strange thing sometimes that we as Christians relish in the death of our Lord in a cruel emblem like a cross. To so many as we think of our Lord and his sufferings as he died there and not only what he went through, but the spirit in which he bore those things. We find that in our passage here today, the first verse is an encouragement to us. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. As we remember the cross and what our Lord went through there upon that cross, it'll give us the courage to be able to run this race with patience that we're being encouraged to do here. Because as we think of him and what he did upon that cross, it also gives us the confidence that we are victors. They nailed him to a cross and they took his life. But in actual fact, it was he that laid that life down willingly. No man took it from him, he said. He laid it down of himself, and he took it up again. 
In remembering the suffering of our Lord, we also remember the triumph of our Lord. As we remember the the anguish and the pain and all that he endured there upon the cross, we also remember the great love, the great strength, the great grace that was shown to the very ones that were hanging from him there and to each and every one of us. And of course, there's another thing that comes to mind as we read this first verse here. As we remember our Lord, it also helps us to remember those who through the ages have, have gone before us. You know that this world has tried in every way that it can to make a farce of what took place at Calvary and the tomb. The world has tried to say that it's not possible, that it's just a figment of our imagination. They come up with all kinds of excuses. Evil leader after evil leader has tried to stamp out Christianity and destroy this faith that we hold so dear. And yet as we remember during all of that, there have been those that have run the race with patience seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. There's been much debate over the years as to exactly all this, this great cloud of witnesses that he's talking about there. Is he talking about the angels? Is he talking about those that have gone on before us? Is he talking about all that see what we're doing now as we are compassed about with so great a cloud of of witnesses. In the end, I don't think, I think the fact is, is that it is a great cloud of witnesses. I believe that all of heaven is looking on and all of those around us are looking on as well. And we need to run this race with patience. As we look and we think of what our Lord did there, sometimes we try to understand how a love could be that deep, how a love could be that pure, how a love could be that great, the secret. And of course, it's only when we come to know the Christ living in us and recognize how he loved us that we can begin to comprehend how that he loved others so much. As we begin to look for that strength that will enable us to face the conflicts because there will be conflicts in this life. There will be things that will come our way. And yet the Bible tells us here that Jesus, when he bore that, and of course he uses that same terminology when he tells us to take up our cross and to follow him. We find that he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne on high. The joy that was set before him. And I believe that when he died there upon that cross, he died with all the glory of heaven shining upon him. He died with that assurance of knowing that we would be justified through his shed blood, 
through his saving blood that he was shedding their own glory, that we, even as we sit here this evening, would enter into that glory with him, that glory that lies beyond death for each and every one of us. Beyond death, our Lord rose again. That glorified body that one day we will have one just like him. We can have that same assurance today. It was the joy that was set before him that enabled him to endure everything that he endured there. And of course, that's one of the mysteries, I guess, of Christianity is that how can we glory? How can we find joy in something that was so cruel, something that was so gruesome? He uses the word here, despising the shame of the cross. We realize that the shame of the cross, that it was the worst death that they could find for him at that time. It's just that pure and simple, the, the death that was reserved for the criminals, for the worst of the criminals, the death that would brand those that died in that way and outcast of society that society wanted nothing whatsoever to do with. It was a death that stamped men that hung upon that cross as a blasphemer. Cruel, bitter, a torment that's beyond what most humans can even imagine. We find that the shame of the cross was something that was there that no man would enjoy, and certainly it was not something that Jesus endured. It said that he endured the cross. And what does it say? Despising the shame. Jesus didn't enjoy the shame of the cross. There was a joy. He endured it because of the joy that was beyond the cross. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 and 7, since I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair, I did not my face from shame. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. You see, he wasn't ashamed to hang there, though he was having to endure the shame of the world, joy, a joy that took away the, the burning sting, if you would, of that shame that he was facing, a joy shone through that darkness that fell upon that cross that day, a joy of the glory that wasn't yet but was to be. Because there on the cross, he became sin for us. That was not the glory while he was hanging there, though the, the glory of heaven was shining upon him. The confidence of what was beyond that death. The vision of the Father's house that lay before him. The vision of his Father welcoming him home. As he had to cry out upon that cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Bible tells us to let us run. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Yes, despising the shame just as Jesus Christ himself did. We need to to know the joy that he knew. We need to let his joy become our joy. Because as we face our hardships, as we run this race with patience, as things seem to be going wrong all around us and, and things seem to be caving in, as we look back to the cross and what Jesus endured while he hung upon that cross, Though it was the most shameful death that he could die, he couldn't, they, they couldn't have done anything with him that would have shamed him more, and yet he endured it for the joy that lay beyond it. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. What can they do to us? What can they take from us that compares? What can the world do to you and I that could shame us more than the shame <coughs> that he endured upon that cross because of the joy that was set before him? Yes, there was suffering. Now, there were tears around the cross. There was much sorrow there as his mother and those who were around the cross looked on and saw what was happening to the one that they loved so dearly. That same Jesus that endured that because of the joy that was set beyond for him, he's the same one that also said to you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. You see the same, the same joy of what lay beyond of his time there is the same promise that you and I have today. Revelation 21, 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We all understand. Life is tough sometimes, and, and life isn't fair sometimes. And we all have those things that come that we say, you know, why me, and why now, and why this? I'm, I'm, I'm trying so hard, and yet, but as we come into this Easter season, as we're reminded of what took place in history when our Savior went and died upon that cross, may I just say that, no, there's nothing joyful about the shame. The world, they, they try to figure out why, why do we talk about the cross so much? Why do we sing about the cross so much? Why is it such a symbol of Christianity? And of course, you can take it how you want, but there's a big difference in a cross and a crucifix. A crucifix that still has that man hanging upon the cross 
or an empty cross because we serve a risen Lord. We don't pray or worship to some icon of a man that is still upon a cross, but the cross throughout Scripture and throughout history, a cross, an emblem of shame, an emblem of suffering, is an emblem that represents Christianity more than any other single symbol ever could. The shame of the cross, the sufferings of the cross, the physical torture that our Lord endured there. I mean, think of what he went through in the judgment hall before they even put him upon the cross. He had already taken more torture than many humans could even bear. And yet when they drove those spikes through his hands and through his feet, the agony that that would produce. Isaiah said in Isaiah 52, 14, 700 years before he hung up on that cross, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. You see, to even try to describe the physical torture that took place on the cross. It's too terrible. You know, we see these things, and, and sometimes we see things that are just ghastly or just horrible. And you try to, to put it into words, and it seems impossible, and certainly there is nothing that is more impossible to describe than the sufferings, the torture of what our Lord went through when he hung upon that cross. As I said in verse 2 of that chapter, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. The glory in the cross was not upon the flesh that hung there on that cross. Many men were tortured upon the cross. Many men were tortured to try to shame them in the same way they did Christ. That was God upon that cross. It wasn't just another man. The joy that was set before him. You know, he, he, he could have fled. The songwriter said he could have, he could have called 10,000 angels. He didn't have to stay there. He didn't have to be there. But yet, he endured it for the joy that was set before him. The joy of that day when, yes, as we've already said, that he could see you and I come to put our saving faith in him. I believe in that day when all these that were shaming, when one day every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2, 9 and 10, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. The high priest there asked him a question that's recorded for us in Matthew 26, 63. I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. What did Jesus say? Thou hast said. Thou hast said. 
Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. We've read that a couple times, just as we saw in our text, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy of the kingdom. You see, the joy that was set before him, the joy of the kingdom, is the joy that can be ours today. It's the joy of every Christian. Maybe when called to that lonely place of suffering and you feel that you're suffering all alone. Well, Christ was all alone upon that cross. Oh, I know there was a thief on either side of him, but he was all alone, forsaken by God, bearing the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, the world will scorn sometimes. And for those who've been scorned, they can look to the cross to the scorn that our Savior took for us. He said, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Just saying, when we, when we look to that cross, when we think of that cross, we think of the, the shame and the suffering that he endured upon that cross. We begin to recognize that, yes, it was shameful, and yes, it was suffering. Folks, it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. When he endured that cross, it was more than the shame of it. It was more than the physical torture. I believe that the greatest load that he bore that day, Brother Steve, was the load of sin that he took and bore upon himself. A holy God that knew no sin himself but bore our sin on Calvary. That was the heaviest load that he faced. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the Spirit. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the God on high because of the joy that was set before him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, but God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8, 1 John 2, 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The sacrifice wasn't too small. 
He was not insufficient for anyone's <coughs> sin. We find that the burden and the guilt of the sins of the world, Jesus bore upon himself that day. Try to comprehend what, how much sin do we see around us and then try to grasp what a small, tiny fleck that we are in this world as a whole. What we see is so minimal. And then you multiply that by the ages and the ages and the ages. We talked this morning when we were looking at the dominion that sin has over us versus the grace that frees us. We were all in bondage to that sin. Sin took its dominion when we gave up the dominion in the Garden of Eden when we chose sin instead. We gave it the dominion. God gave that dominion to man. But man gave it away. Satan. When Jesus hung upon the cross, when he bore that shame and that suffering, he literally took the sins of the world, the Bible says. We can't, our minds won't go there. It doesn't matter how bad that we think it was, how hard that we think it was, how heavy that we think it was. And I'm saying to you, sometimes in this life, things will seem just too heavy to carry any further. They're just too hard. We just can't take it anymore. But think back of the cross. Think of what Jesus endured when he hung up on the cross and he did it for you and he did it because of the joy that was set before him and you have that same joy in him today, the same thing. We find that all the sins of the mind, all the sins of the flesh, all the sins of the soul. I was, I was talking to someone this morning and we're talking about, you know, so many times we, we get so upset because of one outward sin that we see. And yet if I ask the question and we were all honest here this evening, the truth is, is that every one of us, there's more sin in here that people don't see than that they ever see on the outside. <laughs> Put something up here not long ago. You know, if somebody's talking bad about you and they think that you're bad and all that stuff, don't worry about it. You're a whole lot worse than what they, they're saying you are. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> but what I want us to try to grasp is that when Jesus bore the shame and the suffering of Calvary, it wasn't just, I mean, there's such hideous sins that we see with our minds, and yet there's so much that we don't see. Yet, he bore them all, every one, every one ever committed, every sin of every nation, of every man, of every city, of every street, of every heart in all the world. He bore them that day. As I said in 53.6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity 
of us all. The joy that was set before him as he endured the sacrifice, the shame of the cross. The joy, I believe, there's so many things that we can see. The joy, yes, that joy of his father welcoming him home, the joy of, of being there in heaven, but I believe above all, the joy of the world and all those that would be redeemed, all those that would be snatched from sin's dominion, all those that would be snatched from Satan's clutches, the joy that was set before him, the joy of every soul that would ever be forgiven because of the sacrifice of his own blood that day, the joy of a heaven that was open to all that would believe all that would receive for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. I think of what a joy that will be his when one day he returns for his bride. <laughs> for all those that have put their faith and trust in that finished work, that have trusted in his sacrifice at Calvary, Isaiah 53, 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul shall be satisfied. A joy. You see, there are many today, and I, I won't call a name, but also had the privilege of speaking to someone else about their spiritual life and condition of their soul earlier in the week. And this individual had a great knowledge of a certain amount of things, you know, they believed, yeah, there was no question of the fact that, uh, that God was there and that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that Jesus was God and that Jesus had died on the cross and that that's the only way anybody could ever have their sins forgiven. All these facts he knew. And yet it was all wrapped up in this religious package because he knew it here, but he had never acted upon it here. And you can tell that, you can know, and it's sad when people can, can know all about a Jesus of history. And they may even accept that there was a place called Calvary and there was a cross put there and, and this man called Jesus died upon it. And they may even get into the religious things about the fact that he died for the sins of the world and that's how we can be forgiven. But until we come to recognize ourselves as those sinners that he died for, me, I'm that sinner until we call out for that forgiveness and ask God's mercy because we need that forgiveness until it's applied. The devil knows it. I'll guarantee you he knows it. The Bible tells us that he knows it, and he believes it, but it's never been applied to him like so many today. So my encouragement to you this evening, things happen all the time. I'm, I'm reminded of, again, most of you know that I have utmost respect for the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon. One of the things that Mr. Spurgeon always did was he just carried a little notebook with him. It said in, in his biography, and, and, and I mean, he was always going and always doing and always all these things, and so things were happening around him all the time, and he was always pulling his little notebook down and writing things down, writing things down. And, of course, somebody asked him, you know, what, what do you keep writing in that little notebook that you keep pulling out all the time? 
And of course, what he was doing was just taking notes, the world and the people and the things that were going around him all the time. Because all those things that were going on around all the time affected so much the preaching of the sermons to those people. Many of his many of his illustrations in his sermons came simply because of the things that he saw happening around him all the time in his life. And it happens to all of us. And I guess the same thing can happen even with, you know, there's an awful lot of people that have all kinds of ideas about Easter. But folks, there's only one thing that's worthy of celebrating all the time, that time of the year and all the rest of the year. And that's just what we've talked about here because of that one called Jesus that died upon that cross. He endured it. He despised the shame that he faced there, but he endured it for the joy that was set before him. There's a lot of joy that was set before him, but his greatest joy was your redemption. I believe that with all my heart. That's what he came, that he could seek and save that which was lost. He came for the purpose to die on that cross. You know, he had this conversation with his disciples, you know, don't you understand? Haven't you understood anything that I've been trying to teach you? I had to do this. We find that I know life is real and life is hard. And it is by putting our faith in his finished work that we have our redemption. But I believe also day by day when you're facing those hardest struggles, when you're going through those really deep valleys. And sometimes you just, honestly, you feel like the load's too heavy. Hey, I might be a pastor. I've been there too, and, and I'm sure everybody here's been there. The loads do get heavy sometimes. But I'm saying just think back to the cross. Think of that one that hung up on that cross. He didn't hang there because he enjoyed the shame and the suffering that he faced. He did it because of the joy that was set before him. You can get through your struggles, your burdens, with the joy that's set before you. One day this is all past. This is all temporary. You know, we've got him on our side right now. The victory is ours. What can they do? They can take our life. Oh, my, now I've got to go to heaven. <laughs> and there's nothing that they can take from us that's more precious than our life. So when you're going through your struggles, remember what Jesus went through for you. Remember that he's still there for you. And as we approach all the things that people might be doing to celebrate Easter, let's take the opportunity any way that we can to share to them what Easter is really about if we're talking about that man that died upon that cross and rose again the third day. Let's take every opportunity because that, was the joy that was set before him. The redemption of that lost person you'll meet this week and I'll meet this week. The joy that was set before him was the salvation of their soul. Father, thank you this evening. And Lord, we know that much of the world will celebrate Good Friday as the day that Jesus died upon the cross. And <coughs> Lord, we don't understand their calculations of how they came up with that and we won't be celebrating on Friday, but Lord, every day that we live, 
is worth looking to the cross, not because of the wooden structure that it was, because it symbolizes an empty cross that our Savior hung upon. Many have died upon the cross, but only one is precious to us because of what he endured there on that cross for us, for the joy that was set before him, for the joy of our redemption, for the joy of spending eternity. Yes, he's there, the right hand of God, but he's also prepared a place for us. One day we'll be there enjoying those same joys with him. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.